0: Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what I think are some really practical uh, topics, and then later on, when fall hits, um, we're going to talk through the book of Acts in the New Testament, the history of the church. So that's what's going on, and this morning I'm going to talk about one of the most practical topics I think I can, uh, growth, how to grow, the idea of spiritual growth, and i got to say, probably the number one thing that I'm asked about regularly is, how can I grow Spiritually, how 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 do we grow? And so uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to be as practical as I can. I just want to start off real quick. A couple of passages, Um, uh, First Corinthians three, and we all are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So the idea there is we are being a follower of Jesus. The the goal is transformation. The image is the image of Jesus. And from one degree to the next degree to the next degree, the idea is you are being transformed more toward the image of Jesus. You, you are growing if you're in a walk with him. Um, Romans 12, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, the will, what is the will of God, well, that is good and acceptable and perfect. So the idea there is when you, as you walk with Jesus, you're being transformed. Um, your ethics, how you approach the world, it's being transformed. You're able to discern better right from wrong and the best decision you could make in any given situation. There's growth. There's, there's not... Um, the stuckness doesn't happen if we're in a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Um, I think about Second Peter. Dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Again, that expectation in the Bible that if you're following Jesus, you are growing. Now, I, I think about, um, I, I love the, the book of Acts. Uh, two of Jesus' closest disciples, they didn't have any kind of quality you know, Jewish education in a Jewish society. And they're being questioned by uh, many people who had incredible education and all kinds of experience. And here's what it says. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So their few years with Jesus had transformed them. They grew and grew to the point where they surprised even the religious leaders of the day. So the Bible is full of this expectation that if you follow Jesus, you are growing. Now, practically speaking, what that means is a year from now, you're not the same person with the same character stuff. You're getting better and better and better. And that doesn't always happen, I know, and it can be really, really frustrating. If there's anybody who's frustrated with spiritual growth, it's me because I want to grow faster. But... We have to look at ourselves and say, it is not acceptable for year after year after year for us to remain the same because we were made for growth. So, you're frustrated with spiritual growth, and like many people, uh, you've come to me and said, Alex, you're a pastor. What do I do to grow? Why am I not growing? So, that's how I'm going to treat this. So, here we are. We're at Wings. Um, We're at Wings, and we're going to talk about spiritual growth. I have my club soda. And I got my high top table. Now, I'm going to talk to our tech team who gave me a Michigan bar. I got done with the sermon and flooded out in the lobby. Oh, man, people are excited about. No, it's why were you in a Michigan bar? Just wanted to label the elephant in the room. I talk about Jesus in Michigan because they don't know him up there. All right. So I just want to sit with you, and we're going to talk about how people grow. Um, And I'm going to pretend that you've asked me, what do I need to do to grow? The first thing I would do as I sit with you in wings is say... Uh, you know what, you, you should be uh, thrilled that you understand life from a spiritual perspective because there are plenty of people who aren't even interested in their spiritual life or fail to even acknowledge that they have a spiritual component to their life. Life is just about the physical, the here and now. Life is about the next thing, the next promotion, the next whatever. And they never really stop to think about who they're becoming spiritually. And so that's a great thing that, that you're interested in that. And, and then uh, the, the next thing I would do is I would remind you that spiritual growth is not really different than mental or physical growth. Spiritual strength is not different than mental or physical strength. It feels different, and so we treat it different. Sometimes we think spiritually that we're just going to kind of will it Will ourselves into being closer to God, into praying more. Will ourselves away from that sin struggle, that addiction. But it doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't happen like that. I, I know, you know, mentally, if there was a new body of information that I wanted to, I wanted to get stronger in. Like, let's just say I want to, you know, uh, be a mechanic. Or I want to be able to work on my own car. I don't know anything. I, I, I know where the oil goes and where the gas goes, and that's about it. Um. I would understand. I'm going to have to watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to have to talk to people that I know that understand uh, the the basics of how cars work and get, you know, mechanics for dummies or whatever. Um, I I wouldn't believe that I'm just going to think really hard and then know it, right? You know you have to work at at this. Um, The same is true physically. You know that we can't will ourselves into shape. I think about um, before I got into um, riding my bike for exercise, I would run. It was a short career, um, uh, but I, I was in. I was at the uh, the Susan B. Race for the Cure 5K up in Cleveland, and it's a different kind of 5K because it's um, it's it's like a cause-based 5K. You're raising money for cancer, and what comes uh, there's about 10,000 people that often run the race, and what becomes clear is that many of these people are here because they have a close family member who has gone through breast cancer in the past year. Maybe they've lost somebody, and so they're running for that person. It's like, I'm going to do this for aunt whoever, or we're going to do this for mom. <clears throat> and what becomes clear is they believed that their emotion was going to get them through this race. And so what happens, and you know, you always you run in a clump, because there are just so many people, so you can't go really fast, and and what, not that I can go fast anyway in that race, but that's beside the point, at about the one mile mark, the people that are there, because they're like, you know, doing it for somebody, and not in shape, that thing hits, like if you've ever run, and you get that side split thing, you know, where you, and they, you know, people are doubled over and they start to cry because they're frustrated with themselves and cheering. Come on, do it for mom. Mom was strong. You know, stuff like, and, and it just the emotions break out because they're out of shape and they're mad and they're trying to will themselves into it. And then by the two mile mark, people are just puking. And I, I'm, I mean, it's like beside the road and you're running through it, it, because they're out of shape and they think they're going to will themselves to running a 5k. And we can't do it. Our bodies it just and the same is true spiritually we get frustrated that we're not growing, but when you look at our lives, we aren't doing the kinds of things that you do to grow because you don't become spiritually strong by wanting it really bad. I wish that were the case, it's not. So Uh, A couple quick passages here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. In other words, if you compete in a physical competition, um, you're going to go into a training regiment. They do it to get a crown that will not last, a medal, okay? We do it to get a crown that will last forever. In other words, he's saying, we train spiritually like those athletes train physically. So Paul doesn't expect to just somehow be great spiritually, he trains. 1 Timothy, same author. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Plenty of places in the Bible. It takes effort to get better spiritually. Okay, so we've had our pep talk at Wings. We're on the same page now. We're ready to talk about um, how and what I would do as we sit there together is is I would probably present you with two sets of three questions. the first three is um, um, actually I guess it's one set of three but the 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 first three questions have to do with diagnostic you know questions what 's maybe wrong or what 's not the way it could be, and then the second set is like strategically what are we going to do now to grow? So the first question I would ask you in the first set of three is um, tell me about your intake. And what I'm really asking there is tell me about your Bible reading. What I really want to know is on average, daily, how much time are you spending um, meditatively, prayerfully reading scripture. Now there's a difference because there's reading the Bible to know more so that you know more than the next person, so that you feel more spiritual than everybody else. And that's not healthy. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were experts in the Bible, but they used it to make themselves feel great and feel spiritual. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about you're reading scripture, meditating on what it's saying about God, meditating on what it's saying about you. How much time are you spending on average daily with that kind of Bible reading? That's the first question I'm asking you when you're frustrated with spiritual growth. And 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 here's what I'm probably not going to hear. And I, this is kind of in your face and I don't want it to be, but it's, it is what it is. I'm probably not going to hear, well, you know what? I read scripture contemplatively. uh, I meditate, I pray over these scriptures at least 30 minutes a day on average without fail. It's a bedrock habit in my life. I'm probably not going to hear that because honestly and truthfully, I don't know of anybody who makes that kind of Bible reading a part of their daily routine that really struggles to grow spiritually. Now, there are always going to be dry seasons but you're probably not just throwing your hands up if you're reading. It is, it is that important. So here's the deal. If you, um, if you were to go to a doctor's office and say, um, you know, I'm not feeling very well. I'm, I'm lethargic. My heart's palpitating. I have a swollen tongue and a dry mouth. And the doctor looks and your eyes are sunken in. He's going to realize you're, you're dehydrated. And he's going to quickly or she's going to quickly get an IV going and then ask you, as your body's sucking in fluids, tell me about your diet. Are you drinking any water? And 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 you say, you say, um, no, I, I haven't had time to drink any water. I'm just dizzy. Okay, because that's one of the things that you probably would tell me is "Ah, I'm not reading the Bible much lately because I'm busy. I just landscaping and I got work and I got the kids and there's soccer practice and it would be soccer because that's more evil. Um, We have all kinds of things that keep us from reading scripture and sometimes we use that as the, I don't have time. And so you're in the doctor's office and you're dehydrated and, and you say, no, I haven't been I've only been eating crackers and high-carb foods and not drinking any water or any fluids because I just, I got to eat on the go. I don't have time. And that's ridiculous, right? I mean, we would know better than that because we know we need to drink water. Or or maybe you said, um, I don't drink liquids. I, I know what water tastes like. Okay, that would be equally as dumb. It doesn't matter what it tastes like. You have to drink water. And sometimes I'm tempted to, ah, I'm not going to read scripture. I know know what the Bible says. I can quote most of the stuff, and I can finish the quote when I'm reading it. I'm not in the mood. Okay? Just as dumb as saying, I don't drink water because I know what it tastes like. Or, Or maybe you tell the doctor, well, you know what? I don't understand the physics of all the water hydration stuff, so I just don't take in fluids. Well, that's really dumb. You don't need to understand it. You just need to drink water. In the same way, you may say, I just, I read the Bible, I don't understand it. Um, here's the thing, and I mean, and I mean this, I, 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 apart from the message of Jesus paying for your sins on the cross, this is like one of the most important things that, that I could tell you. In our modern Western world, we look at books like the Bible and we think information, we think knowledge. Now, I believe that the Bible is a book of, of knowledge, and the Bible is a book of truth. Believe it. But truth and knowledge is a byproduct. It's a helpful byproduct of Scripture. First and foremost, the Bible is water for your soul. And, and I, I just, I, I, I mean it. It is going to be almost impossible for you to grow without watering your soul through scripture. Now take a look at some of these. This is kind of what the Bible says about itself. Hebrews 4 practically personifies the word of God. Okay? For the word of God, the Bible, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I don't know how words on a page can be alive and active. I don't know how far to take that. But this is almost saying, you get to the Bible and let it go to work on you. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the Bible, and who meditates on his law day and night, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Drinking for the soul. It's like a big glass of water to keep you spiritually hydrated. There are a few places in the Bible where um, visions that God gives uh, people. He he says... uh, Basically gives them scripture and says, eat it. And that's their vision is that of God saying, here, eat this. And the idea there is that it's, that, 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 that it's nourishment. Jesus says, man will not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So, biblically speaking, the Bible hydrates our soul. And I'm not talking, again, about reading it just for knowledge. I'm talking about interacting with Scripture, learning about the character of God, asking God to speak to you through it. What does it mean for me? All of that, that kind of prayerful reading of Scripture. And the reason I'm hammering this is because I I, I know, because myself included, the tendency is, yeah, 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 I know, but I want to grow spiritually. But what we're really looking for is, is something easier or something different. But we, we don't, when it comes to reading Scripture, we don't get to say, okay, yeah, yeah, I know that, but give me give me something else. Come on, what else? If, if it ain't there in your life significantly, you're missing the hydration of it all. And it's really important if you're frustrated with spiritual growth that you understand that, that even though it may not feel like you walked away different, Just like you drink a glass of water doesn't always feel like you walked away different. Deep down, it's a difference maker. All right, next question. Now you're like, you're sitting there in wings, you're saying, okay, I get it, move on. Drink from your Bible every day. Next question. What is your next character issue to work on? What is your next character issue to work on? Because if we're not aware, we're probably not going to grow. Now, I have a long list. And my wife and a lot of people in here would probably be happy to tell you that long list. I've, I just try to focus on one at a time. But I have it on my mind. What is your next character issue? So here's what Jesus has to say about um, life with God. I'm the vine... My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. <clears throat> the idea of pruning is the gardener is, 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 it has a vine, and he's cutting off the, the old unhealthy stuff so that other things have the energy to grow. In other words, you have a character, and, and God is Pruning that character, there are things that he wants gone, and we're not going to gain ground if we don't pay attention to the parts of our character that, that that we have to work on. So that that comes from you with that question, saying, "What's my next step in my character?" And it comes from you, okay. And, and listen, if you aren't aware of any character flaws that need to go in your life, then start with pride. Okay, that's that's your character problem. Go to your friends. Awkward conversation, but go to your friends and say, hey, what would you say? My next step in my character is, what are you seeing? And if they're a good enough friend, they'll speak into that. And if you don't have any friends that are going to help you figure out how to be a better character person, then get better friends. Um, the Bible... In, in, in ancient Christian literature, it's pretty clear that confession of sin to each other was a big part of early church life. They would talk about their sins. And there was forgiveness, and there was encouragement, um, and there was accountability. Because that's the next thing. When you know what that is, then you tell somebody and give them a question to ask you. Um, I had a friend who, who told me, Alex, I want you to ask me, have you been on any porn sites lately? Ask me at least once a week, and if I say yes, you need to take my iPad from me for a few weeks because that's where the problem is centered. Um, and those are, those are rough conversations. Those are awkward. But that's the kind of thing that gets us somewhere. When there's some kind of awareness along with accountability, um, it's got to be there. So, what's your next character issue is the second. So, tell me about your intake, your Bible reading. What's your next character thing? My thing, just to get out in front here, um, I need to work on being still and present in the moment. And that's a character thing. St. Thomas Aquinas called it the restless roaming of the soul. When you're just like never able to be at one place. The Bible talks about, you know, godly character being um, still and um, um, at peace and at rest. And I'm just, you know, pacing in my own kitchen. Um, And so what I do is at the beginning of each day I try to say, okay, that's my thing. I need to be at rest. I need to be at peace. I need to be present in the moment. So I will be present with Kelly today. And I will be present with my boys today. And I will be present with every person. And that that's, can be almost laughable because I am not very good at it. But to make progress, I've got to be in my own face with that's the behavior that I'm going to demand of myself today. That's what it takes. Okay, next question. What should you be doing for God right now? And I'm going to skip some of this because of time. But the the idea here is, is, biblically speaking, if you're in friendship with God, He's stretching you. Where in your life right now are you letting God stretch you? What are you doing that you're a little uncomfortable with, that's a little bit risky? And if it's nothing, that's why you're not growing. God grows us through stretching us. There's times in Scripture where God asks the unthinkable. God is very confident in His ability to provide for you, so He has no problem asking big things of you. If you're looking for something to stretch, start inviting people to church. That takes guts. It has eternal significance. It's a big deal for God. It's a big deal for them. It costs you some relational capital. usually goes great, by the way. But if you're looking for maybe a keystone habit that changes the way you approach the world, start inviting people to church. Or, take the conversation spiritual every now and then. That takes guts, doesn't it? When you're hanging out and it's a purely social, relaxing conversation by the fire. I'm not talking about getting weird, But talk about something that God did for you the past week and give Him credit. Find a way to take a... not the whole thing. You don't need to... I'd like to invite you to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior today. You know, you don't have to go Amway on Him. (laughs) But take the conversation spiritual. Um, It's a great keystone habit to force yourself... All right, Let me. so that's the first set of three, okay? Um, tell me about your intake, what's your next step in character, and, and where is God stretching you right now? That's your, that could tell you right now, okay, you're not growing, and one of those three questions is probably going to pull out why you know, you're not growing, okay? The next three are three daily questions to ask yourself, just always, even when you're in a great season of life. What's God telling me? What's God telling me? I believe that God speaks. I'm confident of that. I'm reading a guy now, author named, a pastor named Jordan Sang. And he says, um, when you talk to God, if you don't listen, that's rude. And I got to say, most of the times I talk to God, I don't listen. I just gripe for a while or ask for a while and then go on to the next thing. But, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes every day, just silence. Listening to God and when I say what's God saying, it usually doesn't come from hearing the audible voice I would love it if it did Alex, I want you to go do that or I want you to you know, whatever Doesn't often come like that It it um, comes in like a, a just that inner kind of I know that's what God's saying place And if we're still in quiet enough, he'll talk to us If we're still in quiet enough and you need to know what's God saying to you and then the follow-up, the second question is, what are you doing about it? Here's what we're not allowed to do. We're not allowed to say, what are you saying? Okay, okay, God, I hear that. Pass. Give me something else. Come on, next one. What, what, God, that's, we're not allowed to say pass to God, or he'll stop talking. God will talk when we intend to be obedient. And so what's God saying, and what are you doing about it? Now, that could be anything from a character issue to, to something. I, I have a friend who said that he... God's telling me to take my mom on a date to start investing in my relationship with my mom. Okay? Now, that's not, like, world-changing. And that's why I'm saying that, that, because what's God saying? What are you doing about that? That could be any given thing. The third question and final question in the second set of three is, um, what are you doing something about? And when we're talking about this, we're talking about something significant, community outward action what is really different in your world because you chose to fix it you chose to step in could be an elderly neighbor that needs something a child that you can help um, could be a cause that, that finance or elbow grease or whatever it is you're looking at your life and this is beyond character this is beyond what's God saying what am I doing about it Though it could be the same, you're you're making sure. And here's the spirit of this question. There is an army of followers of Jesus who spend their whole lives accomplishing nothing of significance for the world around them in need. And we want to make sure that on our last day, we can look and say, That's different, and that's different, and that's different, and that's different, because I went all in. I didn't just pray about it. I didn't just write a check toward it. I went all in to do something about that. So what's God saying? What am I doing about what's God saying? And then what's going on out there that I am hitting with force? So you're making sure that you don't get lazy and go for seasons without doing anything about anything. And I think that those two sets of three, and I hope you maybe write them down. They'll be on the web, whatever. Those will keep us growing for a long, long time. Now, let me close with this. and you can, We'll do one more song. Um, but let me, let me just close up with, with this. Um, <coughs> I want you to remember <coughs> that, that God is slow. And so he, um, he's very patient. And he develops character slow. It's about thinking in steps. So you're moving somewhere. I have the, we, my, my wife, Kelly, and I back on stage today. Kelly and I have this growth chart for our kids, like many of you I know have with, with kids. And it's always amazing to see over the years, you know, whatever. And, and, and you could say, wow, they grew two inches this past year. And that's amazing. But when you think about it, a whole year's time, they grew that much. It's not. you know, Growth is slow and steady, but if we're focused on it, if we work with God, He'll get us there. It, it's a matter of intent. Step by step. Okay, if you'll stand, we're going to do one more song and, and just invite God to take you on that journey of growth. Father, thank you for choosing us as we are and loving us and seeing potential in us, which comes from you, so you don't give up on us, ever. You keep pressing and pushing, and we submit to you now with the intent of doing what it takes to grow. In Jesus' name, we commit this to you.